Hi, and welcome to another podcast from The Human Diver, where we are looking to apply counter-errorism techniques in diving. By that we mean human factors and non-technical skills. Our goal is to give you the knowledge and skills so that your dives are safer and more enjoyable. The podcast is a mixture of short podcasts based on the blogs we have, and longer podcasts, which will be interviews or discussion topics. Show notes will be provided so you can dig deeper if you want. Ready to jump in? The aviation industry has long recognised the importance of checklists for enhancing safety and standardising procedures in flight operations. Over time, checklists have expanded to other domains, such as medicine with the World Health Organization's Surgical Safety Checklist. Verbal aid memoirs have been used in diving for a while, for example ABC, BWW-RAF and GUE-EDGE, and over the last decade or more, written checklists have been developed for rebreather use as part of the build, pre-dive and post-dive checks. However, checklist design and subsequent execution is not simply a case of writing a list of actions and expecting divers, instructors or diving safety officers to follow them. Factors such as human performance limitations, the complexity and timing of diving operations, increased workload or time constraints and the social environment all need to be considered as part of checklist design and use. To address these challenges, the development of checklists should be based on human factors principles and designed for use under normal, abnormal and emergency conditions. Most checklists in diving are based around normal operations, but some diving operations will have abnormal or emergency checklists as part of their risk and safety management protocols. Standardization in checklist design is important, but overemphasis on standardization can reduce the effectiveness of the checklist. As such, checklist design should balance standardization with the need to adapt to different equipment configurations and specific situations. Compliance with standards and procedures is expected, but checklists should remind divers and instructors that standard operating procedures can be violated if necessary to ensure the safety of those involved in the diving activities maintained. Checklist length is a significant concern as cognitive limitations can lead to errors when dealing with stress, concurrent task demands and time pressure. A balance must be struck between including critical information to reduce memory load and maintaining a manageable length for timely completion. The appropriate level of detail and length should be evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis. A good rule of thumb would be five to eight line items, each with no more than five to eight words. If more words or line items are needed, then breaking the check into something smaller should be considered. Typography, font, sizing and spacing is another important consideration in checklist design. Degani, a scientist at NASA, recommends using sans-serif fonts for improved legibility and ensuring adequate spacing between lines of text to prevent skipping lines. For font size, a range between 0.14 and 0.20 inches 3.6 and 5.1 millimeters is suitable for checklists, but practical considerations may necessitate adjustments. Font sizes below 0.10 inches, 2.5 millimeters are not recommended. Phraseology, words, grammar, and tone plays an essential role in the design of checklists for aviation. According to Degani and Vina, guidelines for designing checklists include restricting vocabulary size, using phonetically balanced words, increasing sequential constraints between items, and employing frequently used words. The checklist should use plain language and should be a prompt or cognitive aid rather than a long instruction set. Checklists should contain unambiguous responses. 
Degani and Weiner suggest that the response should convey the actual status or value of the item, e.g. configurations, pressures or status. For example, calling out specific gas pressures or PO2 readings while checking SPGs or CCR controllers can provide verbal confirmation and aid mental preparation. As humans, we have a limited capacity when it comes to short-term memory. As such, design techniques like chunking can help users group information into concepts. By structuring checklists into chunks, divers can more easily identify and follow the order of items. For example, for a rebreather, it might be about validating or calibrating the cells. In addition to chunking, other factors should be considered for the safe and effective ordering of checklist items, such as workflow or equipment layout, e.g. bottom to top, left to right. Having a defined endpoint and a positive confirmation that the checklist has been completed is also advantageous when operating as a team. Decoupling is another aspect of checklist design that needs to be considered. In tightly coupled systems, where there is limited time or slack in the system, means there is a limited capacity for the divers to recover from a failure. This might be caused by the time between getting ready on the boat and jumping off the back of the boat when slack arrives early. Once committed, it is hard to say no, even if a fault has been detected as part of a checklist. Decoupling checklists to allow enough time slack for a diver to detect and recover from configuration failures is important. This might mean configuring the equipment a little earlier than normal. Checklists are a valuable tool in dive operations. Promoting mutual monitoring and coordination during high workload periods, that is build checks at the dive site or final checks before getting in the water. Their goal is to intentionally slow people down so that they move from system one to system two behaviors. Error producing conditions such as time pressure, fatigue, interruptions, and poor surface conditions can affect diver performance and increase the likelihood that errors are introduced and not identified and removed. Because of the way our brains work, interruptions to checklists can lead to items being skipped because we think we are further down the checklist than planned. Some rebreathers have electronic checklists, which can help mitigate this issue by allowing checklist progress to be followed. Furthermore, by linking electronics with sensors, for example, high pressure O2 or diluent sensors, progress can be correlated with sense data. Given the lack of a formal reporting system in diving and an absence of a just culture, it is difficult to quantify the number of errors made while executing checklists, how often non-compliance to checklists occurs, or when checklists have provided as AVE. All of these make it hard to determine the effectiveness of checklists and why checklists are or are not used. Summary. Checklists are not a panacea to safe diving operations. They need to be designed with human factors principles in mind, and they require a certain social construct to exist before their use is normal. They work best within teams who can hold each other accountable to the standards set by the team. If a checklist is not used and a successful dive happens, it can start the normalization of deviance or risk because the outcome was good despite the process being flawed. Checklists should not be developed for the sake of running a checklist. A checklist builds on technical skills that have been acquired during training and consolidation diving. They should not be used as a liability limiting or transfer device so that if something goes wrong, the lack of checklist adherence can be used as the reason for the failure. If a checklist is consistently not trapping errors, the system, including the checklist, needs to be examined to see how it is making sense not to use the checklist. If multiple people are failing, it isn't an individual human issue, it is much bigger. Part two of this short series on checklist design is the next podcast, although they weren't written as part one and part two, it just happened that way. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more about what was discussed in this episode, head over to the Human Diver website at thehumandiver.com where you will find details about our education programs, the If Only documentary, the book Under Pressure, and the many, many blogs we have published there. If you think others should listen and learn, consider sharing the link. Thank you.